The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing city. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave, as the announcer guy pointed out to you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcast. Share it with a friend. It is the show where we tell the stories of your city through the voices of your city. And I do want to thank our sponsor right off the top, All Inclusive with Jay Ruderman. It's a podcast, terrific interviews on that show. And so anywhere you find your podcast, go to all-inclusive with Jay Ruderman, and we thank you, Jay and company, for supporting the show. But enough of my yapping. Let's get to our guest. He's a lawyer. Don't hold it against him. I'm told he's one of the cool ones. He is with. He's a partner with the law firm of Long, Hagen, and Huff Harris. It's Sean Hagen in the house in the virtual studio. Yes. How are you, Sean? Good. How are you doing today? Not too bad. I only fumbled over my words three times during the intro. Usually it's like seven, so ahead of the uh, pace so far. We are just in the virtual studio today, but have you been getting out and about doing business and non-business stuff? Yeah, so, you know, being vaccinated, getting getting out there with more confidence, but it was interesting during the pandemic how we handled the whole issue of my primary practice, which is estate planning, right? So Mm -hmm. the law is a little bit slow to react to such changes, and so we had to do all these in person unless there was very specific circumstances with health issues and things like that. We had to get pretty creative when it came to signing safely, Mm. including starting out doing it in, in, you know, in parking lots where we'd go out, do trunk signings, pop the trunk, have the client (laughs) sign, you know. We eventually adapted and got some shields and some outdoor tenting and things like that. So we were rocking and rolling the whole pandemic. Nothing like a global pandemic to make people think about their wills, right? So we were actually really busy and had to adapt for that reason. So I've been in person almost the whole time. But the office itself, we've done sort of a hybrid model, and we're getting back into in-person now. Well, that's good. I have a feeling that, as a joke, years from now, people will have pandemic parties where you bring back all the masks and the shields and the plexiglass and everything. Maybe You're not. totally right about that. That's so funny. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, when you said trunks, and I can pla- see the fraternity party now, you know, yeah. pandemic party, you know, yeah. although it won't exactly be fun, but it'll, it will bring back some memories. So sure. give we're going to, we're going to play a quick round of burning questions with Sean. And this is the segment where we just get to know him. Well, you will hear more about his practice later, but I will tell you, that all the info you need about his law firm is lhhlegal.com, lhhlegal.com. But let's play a quick round of burning questions. Here we go. Just one more thing. I have a riddle for you. Answer the question. All right. I'll start off with an easy business question. How would your clients describe you, Sean? Just going to go off of the Google reviews to answer this one. So we get a lot of adjectives like thorough, caring. And I think the overall theme is that we have the clients understand what they're actually signing, you know, the document. So a lot of teaching approach and that yields really great clients because then they know more about what they're doing with us and then they can talk about us. 
So I'd say thorough and education first approach. Imagine that, that a lawyer would actually draw. I know, right? Would actually let the like, client know what they're signing rather than just say, oh yeah, yeah. just sign. <laughs> we do a lot of things that it's a little bit embarrassing that we stand out by doing these things, right? But we do it, you know, even with dealing with the courts and things, just being nice, smiling, you know, giving people the time of day. If we just do the opposite of the lawyer stereotype, it yeah. usually yields pretty good results. I I like that. Yeah. When I worked for Lawyers Weekly, I wrote a, a story about incivility. And it was funny how most lawyers didn't even want to talk about it. I mean, I, you know, I've been a member of the bar since 1990-something. And so I, I've always been proud to have a law degree. But you say, you know, stereotypes, it, it, I mean, let's not ignore them. They're out there. It's just, it's, it is really the truly, I think, the bad apple that spoils it for everybody. Because you, you do run into the jerks, right? Occasionally. No, totally. Yeah. And, you know, one thing, too, I mean, you know, litigation, it sort of can be helpful to be, you know, aggressive. Like, the characteristics that might make you a good litigator don't exactly make you a good friend, maybe, <laughs> or spouse. Yeah. So, thankfully, on my side of the practice, it's all proactive lawyering right? Getting people set up with their wills, trusts, businesses. It's all proactive rather than, you know, oh crap, we need to sue somebody, right? So we do that as well, but it's the other side of the shop. So I really enjoy the work I do for that reason. Very cool. Next question, completely unrelated. What is your favorite form of transportation? Oh, got to be being on the water, especially right now in the summer in New England. Mm -hmm. I would say any type of boat, uh, sailboat preferred. Do you like to sail? I love it. Yeah, it's, it's peaceful. It's relaxing. It's a good antidote to the stress of the job. And when you're on the water, you know, time kind of melts away. It sounds a little bit corny, but it's true. And I see that effect it has on anyone we bring out, too. So it's been a great thing to enjoy sailing over the years. It's a little bit of an expensive hobby, I would say, but, mm. you know, it's uh, definitely worth it, especially with the cherished amount of time we have in the summer. It's so short here. Yeah. So you really got to make the most of it. Oh, now you're making me nervous. Like the summer's almost over. I got to get outside. Yeah, it's it's rare that you or me or anyone has a bad time on a boat, but I never understood sailing. It, I, I just tacking and moving the move the sail has to go over here, so the wind comes over here. I I salute. If you. you're saying it's more engaging than sitting on a motorboat while an engine roars, I agree with you. Yes, um, but <laughs> is that what I said? Yeah, I guess. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. No, uh, I understand both sides. I actually have a motorboat yeah. myself, like you know, an 18 foot sea craft. Love fishing on that thing, bombing around. It's just different experiences. Yeah. So for the relaxation, though, definitely the sailing is better, in my opinion. I don't mind being on the sailing boat, as long as you're sure, captaining the boat. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah. America's guest. Next question. What's the longest you've gone without sleep? Oh, man. Oh, so, so I know specifically. So I used to work in a big law firm in New York City, Skadden Arps is a paralegal. Sure. And there was one time where we had this major litigation with one of the major banks, and I think it was, it was two days with maybe like quick... 20 minute naps. Mm -hmm. And I, at the time, this is before law school, I was just thinking like, man, I'm run down and I'm basically dealing with paper and binders. I can't imagine being an attorney where I'm being responsible for all the writing that's happening, you know, nonstop. So yeah, that was the longest two days. Uh, I was work related, really trial by fire at that firm, did that for three years before coming up to Boston for, for law school. Good experience, but I didn't enjoy it at the time, the, the, the two day stint there on that one case. I had a friend that started in the Boston office of Skadden Arps and had to travel to New York, like just after he started and was in New York, you know, in a hotel, but barely in the hotel working on this deal, this corporate deal night and day for three or four days. He said at one point, he said to his boss, 
do you mind if I run downstairs to Walgreens? Uh, I need to buy some T-shirts because I've gone through all my T-shirts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's demanding work. I mean, that firm yeah. is actually pretty good on culture, right? It's not like they're just trying to work people to the bone, but just sometimes the case demands it, and people are really committed, so they end up doing it. All right. We'll do two more questions. Who would you want to play you in a movie of your life? What actor would, would play Sean in the Sean Ooh. Hagen story? Good question. I'm going to say the obnoxious answer of Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> you can ridicule me for all you want. Yeah, I don't know. I think so. I'd like to have an engaging action movie. Okay. If, if, you know, so that's what I thought of for that. I also don't know many actors and actresses, so don't add it again. You resemble a slimmer, younger Tom Sizemore. That's who I would cast as you. Do you all know right. Tom Sizemore? Right. Sounds- but uh, to be clear, slimmer and younger. I'm working uh, on that. Don't yes. worry. I can't malign Tom Cruise because I have a photo of me and him up here on the wall. Oh, I, um, maybe, maybe it was in, yeah, maybe I just noticed that subconsciously. Yeah. I didn't see that there. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe. But we all secretly want to be Tom Cruise. He was actually very nice when I met him. I was surprised. I, I've heard he's very short, right? He's actually pretty short. He is, he is short as reputed, but the thing that I noticed about him was, and he was wearing, a, a, what is he wearing there? Like a fancy suit. You could just tell he was cut. Even wearing a suit, somehow I could tell there was no body fat on him. It looked like a, <laughs> a stiff breeze would have blown him away, but, but, in, you know, but in really miraculous, action-packed fashion. Okay, final question. What is your favorite childhood memory? Let's end on a good note. Let's see here. I would say there was – so my brother is five years younger than me, and there's this one family trip that we took to Newport, and – I think it was like the first trip we did where we were staying in a hotel, like all that sort of excitement and stuff like that. And just, you know, we got the ice cream, the boats, just the whole thing, just getting outside of the South shore, although it wasn't super far away, that, that like going away thing was, was a great uh, memory from childhood and just uh, how much fun it was in the sense of family, that feeling of family. Very nice. Your folks still around? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They're, they're, they're doing great. And everyone's living in Massachusetts now. So my brother lives here. I live here. And they, they still live here as well. So it's, it's a great thing. Yeah, and my, now seeing them with my kids, I've got a three-year-old and a two-year-old. So seeing my parents, being able to interact with them is an awesome thing. It's such a cool thing. And the fact that we're all so close makes it really easy. Yeah. As I mentioned, I, I mean, I'm older. My kids are 18 and 23. and But yeah, that never gets old for the grandparents. And so now I'm sort of looking forward to that day. So Griffin, come on, get yourself a girl, get yourself a girlfriend. Get, get wow, me some pressure. Twenty three. No, I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, no. And it'll be the 18 year old before the 23 year old. So I've got a long I've got a long time to wait. But but it is great. And I'm sure that I mean, that's a great way to celebrate the end of the pandemic is to get the grandparents together with the kids because it's like boy for them it was rough and scary all right i think you've successfully negotiated a burning question sean congratulations thank you we have some nice parting gifts a lifetime supply of turtle wax and a uh (laughs) two-week trip to uh worcester for some reason no uh, oh hey worcester's up and coming i hear you know they've got the yeah red sox minor league team there now and a lot of stuff's going on i've heard good stuff with the woo Sox. however i think even worcesterites would Admit that what <laughs> Worcester, Worcester is up and coming and always will be. It's just the way there it is. <laughs> well put. So yes, in a moment. And before we go, we are going to play a round of good stuff with Sean is unprepared for because I forgot to tell him. But I'm going to tell you now, Sean, that at the end of the program, you'll have some time to think about it. You and I will both recommend something good to our listening audience. It could be a good book. It could be a good movie. It could be an app on your phone. It could be your favorite charity. 
any of those would qualify, but I'll give you some time to think on that. Before we do, Sean, just let's talk a little bit about what you do. As I think most people know, estate planning lawyers are known for just what it sounds like, planning your life from cradle to grave, some people say, and dealing with all the wills and trusts and all that. Tell us what you like about it. So I, th- I think the thing I like the most about it is the proactive nature and every client we work with, they generally might have some familiarity, but they really, they don't know what they don't know. Right. And so when I get to go in there and say, wow, this would have been the result, but for what we're doing, you know, that's really rewarding. And as far as the area of practice goes, I, I, I like it because it sort of has to marry the technical skills you need. So the tax law, the technical elements of how to draft this, this document, almost like an engineering approach along with the soft skills of actually understanding people, right? Because contrary to popular belief, each plan is, is different because each family is different, right? You've got blended families. You've got people that are children, but not legal children. You have all different people that want to be benefited. And so each case is so different that you have to really draw out what the client wants. And that takes some soft skills. So I like that it sort of uses both sides here of the highly technical with the more soft interpersonal skills. You're talking about really personal stuff, right? When you're talking about who and, you know, you might have a married couple in there and say, who do you want the guardian of your kids to be in, in the event of, you know, the, the if disaster strikes and, you know, they're killed in a plane crash. Or I'm sure you don't use that example. but We used um, to use a global pandemic as an example, but it's a little too soon <laughs> to use ooh, that stuff. yeah, that is close So we're doing a car crash most often, which actually will relate to my recommendation later for nonprofit and all with. But Oh, good. So... So, yeah, I mean, we're really, it's, you know, it doesn't get more personal than your family and, and the money that you built up, right? The wealth you built up. Mm-hmm. And the other part of that is actually the healthcare decision. Something that's often overlooked when we're thinking about this area, you know, everyone thinks, oh, I'm going to, you know, if I die, what will happen? But there's all that in between time. And we, since we do litigation too in this area, we find that there's so many battles among family members that really are seeded by healthcare choices. So choices that were either made or not made, you know, mom never would have wanted that, you know, all that sort of stuff. Like you killed mom, you let her die. Like all this high drama stuff. So even the most close families, you really ripped apart by that. So part of what we do is focus on making sure that the healthcare wishes of the client are really clear so that when it comes up later, it's on the page, right? It's not, oh, mom told me this or dad told me this. It's right there on the page. Mm -hmm. So I would say health and wealth decision-making is at the core of what I'm doing for people. And we're just getting it down on the page, so to speak. So creating documents to accommodate those wishes. He is uh, Sean Hagen at the law firm of Long, Hagen and Huff Harris. Go to lhhlegal.com to find out more info on Sean. Is is that the best way to find you, Sean? Hey, yeah, absolutely. Or you can call our office 617-752-2654. So phone, email, whatever works for you. We also have a contact us section of our website, which actually a lot of people are using. I thought it wouldn't get a lot of use, but a lot of people say, here's what I need. Can you help me? And then we reach out to them and get back to them. I think people love that because it, it's just an easier way of telling the story because most of us aren't great at actually telling stories. Like, like I often realize you're calling the doctor's office and you just want to get a simple thing done, like renew a prescription. Yeah. And you end up going, I'm a patient of Dr. Rosenpenis, and I, I was in the other day, and then, and so, and I, I have this problem with my elbow, and then, and really, if you can, if you actually wrote it down and said, I just need this, and yeah, so. Yeah, it forces so. you to, to think through. <laughs> exactly. Right? And so a lot of people do that. We also actually have some walk-ins. Oh, really? A few of our offices have 
you know, just, you know, you know, like street level. And in our Boston office in Roswell Square, we actually people walk in wanting to buy their will local. So, of course, they have to make an appointment. Under COVID, it's been a little tough. But yeah, vast majority are people, like you just said, they need to sort of articulate what they need. They send out the email, and then we get back to them right away. We're really good about that. Are you sure those people just aren't looking for some free coffee and maybe a muffin? I mean, uh, there are those two. We've <laughs> actually had uh, there's been a big drop-off thanks to COVID. We did have one person that would come in and grab a coffee. <laughs> but And some people that are older and maybe a little lonely. Yeah. Uh, but they end up becoming clients, so it works for us. You know, <laughs> It's all good. All right. I might stop by for a coffee sometime. We're going to take a break for about 51 seconds. And after that, we will play a round of good stuff with Sean. So stick around. Hi, I'm Jay Ruderman. All Inclusive is a podcast focused on inclusion and social justice. Join me as I interview leaders and experts on the latest news focused on advocacy for social justice. In order to make progress that will lead to a more equitable future, honest discussions must be held. That is what All Inclusive is all about. Listen and subscribe to the All Inclusive podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Visit the show website for more information and full episode transcripts at www.allinclusivepodcast.com. And we're back here with Sean Hagen. This is uh, David Yaz, Boston Podcast. And by the way, pod617.com is where you go. If you want your own podcast, you could be the next big podcast star. Go to pod617.com to get started. You can produce and create a podcast remotely. We'll send you out a great new mic, or you can come to our Westwood studios, which are open for business. That's right. It's all sanitized for your protection and satisfaction and those things that go on top of the mic, we clean these things. Sean, we clean these things. I want you to know that I'm using a clean pop filter. Oh, did you hear that? Microphone sound. All right. As promised, Sean, and because he's so sharp, he was able to cook up something good he's going to tell us about. I will, too, in this upcoming edition of Good Stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. All right. Sean, you're the guest. You get to go first. So what do you have for us? So what I'd recommend is for anyone that is a new driver or maybe people that are up in years, they get some new driver training. So there's a nonprofit that's been on the board on for a number of years. It was, it's called the In Control Family Foundation. That's driveincontrol.org. And it's a nonprofit dedicated to crash prevention. And they do this through getting you uh, behind the wheel of one of their driver cars and you actually train. And there's a classroom component and then an on-street component on the, the Air Force Base, old Air Force Base in Weymouth. So there's a North Shore location, too, that they're scouting for. We lost it during COVID. But it is, you know, a few hundred dollars. It's a nonprofit. It's the biggest and easiest way I can think of to save a lot of lives because so many people crash and die, especially young people. And we're anticipating that this summer is going to be a really bad summer for this because you've got people that haven't really been out much. They're getting out there now. There's that energy a lot of new drivers on the road. And the other good thing is they can save on insurance. So, you know, driver's ed really is pretty terrible at preparing you for this part. You know, it's a classroom component. There's a little on-road stuff, but this is great. You get to stop a car at 60 miles an hour, know what that feels like, understand analog brakes a little bit. There's a texting while driving exercise to kind of highlight how distracted you are when you're on your phone. But it's a great, it's a great group, again, nonprofit and, you know, a couple hundred bucks saves lives and saves dollars on the insurance front. So, this That's is, driveincontrol.org. Highly recommend it. 
Very interesting. I'm on the website now, and I was wondering, like, who is this for per se? And right at the top, you can see it's for new drivers, but also experienced drivers, senior drivers, municipal drivers. Now, there is a video that runs on a loop on the website, and it, it looks really exciting. Like, you're driving a controlled environment with cones around, and whoever's driving is, right. is driving kind of quickly, and it looks like fun, actually. <laughs> I know that's Yeah, not, that's, a, that's a lot of feedback we get is that it is fun, and even for businesses. Like, so if you've got a fleet of vehicles or whatever, they'll do private training, and they can even do a little bit of a, a racetrack situation and kind of make it even more fun. The goal, of course, is to, you know, increase people's awareness uh, and ability behind the wheel. They even have a podcast. If you go to drivingcontrol.com, they would you you and here it is. Wait, hold on. Can you hear that? Yeah. All right. Well Well, it's got good intro music. I'll, I'll Yeah, Dan Dan Stroll is the director. <laughs> We're trying to get creative with different ways to reach out to people just to spread the word. So I know the podcast is something he's done over the past year. Well, good on you. Keep spreading that uh, podcast yeah. gospel, right? People listen to podcasts in their cars a lot. Not while not texting, but listening to podcasts. Right. We know that. So I'm going to recommend, it's sort of apropos of your, your presence here, Sean. I, there's a, a movie that came out, and, and it's a Seth Rogen project, the, of course, the uh, nutty comedian who's usually getting stoned somewhere. But this was an interesting idea. It is called An American Pickle, and the, the plot is that a man in the 1920s or so falls into a vat of pickle brine and then emerges 100 years later somehow untouched and let me just play a little bit of the trailer so, um, Sean, you can watch the rest of you folks can listen. And here, Sounds good. Here's the trailer for uh, An American Pickle. So, of course, that part's in uh, Russian. He's talking to his bride in Russia, so we'll get to the English part. I am ditch digger. As far as drugs and schlups go, it's pretty good. We are the Greenbounds, and we have American dream. I find good job in pickle factory. Sarah, I make this vow. One hundred years, our family will prosper. And then one day, everything changed. So now we flash forward 100 years later, and he's out of the the pickle jar. 100 years, the pickle brine preserved him perfectly. It's too old to do that. The world has changed. Everyone I know is gone. You were able to track down a great grandson. Greenbaum. Greenbaum. <laughs> this is nuts. Walk past the cafe, but you don't need when you live to... The opponents, where are they? They passed away. It was a car crash. He will tell me everything of their deaths, how their bodies died, their faces as the life left. We will bond over our pain. Mm-hmm. So, very apropos of your presence, John, we had a, a car crash reference there. So, <laughs> Seth Rogen plays the old man and also plays his great-grandson, who are now, thanks to this scientific, which is... They make a joke about it. It's, it's, it's not possible to live for 100 years in pickle brine, but he does. It's a fantasy. And he plays both parts. And so, But it's kind of cool because it, it's one of these what-if stories. What if your great-grandfather suddenly emerged from nowhere in present day and all the cultural changes he has to deal with? And would he be proud of his grandson? Would he get along with his sorry, great-grandson? And this, so there's a lot about family in it. So I recommend it. I 
I admit, I've only seen like the first two thirds of it. I was on a plane coming back from Las Vegas and I fell asleep eventually. So, so what can I tell you? But American Pickles on uh, HBO Max. Will you check that out, Sean? And report yeah, it was back pretty to me. Good. I like Seth a lot. Um, I went to University of Vermont and he came and visited there. Um, so I got to meet him briefly. And yeah, I liked it, liked his work. So I'll definitely check it out. What Rogan in Vermont? I'm shocked all with right. all those hippies up there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, plus he's from Canada, so he was like halfway home coming up to Vermont. Very cool, Sean Hagen. You've been more than a good sport. And once again, I'll remind people if you want to connect with Sean, I do recommend it. LHHlegal.com and use the contact form on that website if you want to get in touch with them. If you have questions or whatnot. I hope yeah, the only thing I have to say is that we, you know, any question goes, right? You don't have to be ready to hire us to ask a question. We are very giving of our time, and we're really just spreading the word about what people need to know related to estate planning, wills, trusts, all that. Uh, the other areas of practice are business law and family law. Very good. So, and he, an excellent pitch man for his own services, as you can see. You should have your own podcast, uh, Sean. Sorry, this is what I do. Anyway, Sean Hagen, thanks for joining me. Thanks for all who listened. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Go to pod617.com if you like your own podcast. And make sure to check out our sponsors show, all-inclusive with Jay Ruderman, anywhere you find your podcast. On behalf of Sean, my name is Dave. I am just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Enjoy the day, everybody. 